First John chapter three, verses seven through 10. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he, Jesus, is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, Jackson, we are a little further along into First John today. Um, you know, we were at the end of chapter two yesterday. Tragically, we like skipped over one of my favorite parts of the book, which is First John 3, 1 and kind of that area. And now we are in 7 through 10. Um, so once again, we have this address, you know, this kind of like fatherly addressing yeah. of, you know, my, my little children. Um, and it's a very similar theme. You know, we're still talking about righteousness and, um, you know, the language we used yesterday which I kind of like is this idea of righteousness being this birthmark of yeah. being born again. Like it's not this thing that gets you born again. Um, it's not a thing that you have to do to qualify to be born again. Um, but that as you encounter the love of God and love him in return, your desires change and your acts and actions change and your orientation changes towards righteousness, not immediately, but slowly and surely. Um, and so today it's like a little bit bigger of, uh, you know, maybe zooming out a little bit because we're talking about the devil and uh, how the devil is basically like the father of of wickedness and sinning and um, how Christ, uh, I love this idea from verse eight, that he the reason he appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Yeah. Um, you know, that reminds me of one of, one of my favorite teachings of Jesus is um, when you know, these, uh, these religious leaders are basically challenging Jesus, uh, saying that he's casting out demons by the spirit of Beelzebul, like yeah. by the prince of demons. Um, and you know, they're blaspheming him. And he famously says, Jesus says a house divided against itself cannot stand. But then he goes into this amazing little parable, um, or like metaphor, uh, where he talks about when a strong man, fully armed, yeah. you know, basically takes up his weapons and guards his house, his goods are safe. But when someone stronger than him comes and binds him and plunders his goods, like he's, he's defenseless. Um, and you know, basically what he's saying is that the devil is that, that man who's fully armed, you know, defending his household and Jesus has come the stronger man to bind him and to plunder him. And which, you know, the plunder, the treasure he's after is the souls of men. Yeah. Um, which is amazing. So that's kind of the, the spirit that we see here. So Jackson, what are, what are your thoughts on um, basically what we see about Jesus, what we see about sin, what we see about people who follow Jesus in this passage? Yeah. Uh, there is a lot to unpack in these verses. They, they carry a lot of weight. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one thing I would say is, is that I think this is a wonderful 
context passage for, um, you know, a, a type of moralism that we can get beat up with at times. So, um, so first Corinthians six is an awesome passage that helps us to, to get the seriousness of sin. Mm. Um, but it's also a passage that I think has plagued a lot of people's consciences over the years and maybe brought about some, some, you know, unholy anxiety. And mm. so if you're unfamiliar with first Corinthians six, one of the things it says, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be, see, be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. You know, and that's that's one of those things that you see in First Corinthians show up over and over again. The sexually immoral will not inherit the kingdom of God. Mm. Well, that makes me nervous because I am sexually immoral. Like, like I have a uh, sinful disposition in my uh, in my sexuality. You know, mm. um, I mean, that's just part of what it means to be a person. Is all of us are sexually broken and we're all mm. sexual sinners. And so then all of a sudden you start asking the question, and I think kind of you know historically we Christians have asked ourselves the question like. Is 1 Corinthians 6 talking about me? Am I part of that unrighteous group that will not mm. inherit the kingdom of God? And so the point I'm trying to make is, is uh, 1 John 3 gives a little bit of context as to what Paul might be saying. So who are those people who are the unrighteous who will not inherit the kingdom of God? Well, those are people who make a practice of sinning. Those are people who uh, are intentionally giving themselves over to sin. And in so doing, they're sort of, finding themselves as citizens of the kingdom of the devil. Um, mm. They're people who are uh, linking their wagon, they're hitching their wagon to the devil. What is the work of the devil? Well, the devil deals in the work of sin. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so this passage isn't saying that anyone who ever sins uh, is uh, going to, or 1 Corinthians 6, therefore, doesn't say anyone who ever sins is part of the unrighteous who will not inherit the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. But we have this, this sort of context that's given. Uh, it, it's those people who make a practice of sinning. Mm -hmm. uh, it's those people who uh, persevere or persist in sin, uh, who, who sort of sin belonging to the kingdom of the devil that belong to that group of the unrighteous. Mm -hmm. But um, the really good news for all of us is that Jesus does something about the work of the devil. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, many of us are maybe a little bit more familiar with the fact that Jesus deals with the penalty of our sin. Mm -hmm. uh, so Jesus bore the wrath of God in our place. He was our substitute upon the cross. Mm -hmm. And so we can go into the spiritual heavenly courtroom and we can be declared not guilty uh, and we can have Christ's righteousness accredited to our account. We can have the penalty of sin dealt with so that we have peace with God. But what this passage tells us is, is that Jesus not only deals with the penalty of sin, but he also deals with the power of sin. Amen. Like Jesus Amen. comes and he takes the work of the devil, the, the working of sin. Jesus or The devil has been a sinner from the beginning, a liar and a cheat from the beginning. And, and part of what we see here is, is that in, in Jesus' purpose for coming to this earth was to deal with the power of sin that held sway over us. Mm -hmm. And so now the, that power is broken. So the power, or so the penalty of sin is dealt with, but also the power. Mm -hmm. And so 
we don't have to be those who have a disposition fully towards sin. Mm -hmm. We can live according to the spirit that's at work in us. Mm -hmm. Uh, We can put sin to death. Now, in this life, we won't do it perfectly, but we can grow in grace. We can grow in the knowledge of Christ. And all of this is because of Jesus. Mm -hmm. So this passage kind of gives us like some context so that we maybe wouldn't be totally overwhelmed by a sensitive conscience if we think that we're part of the unrighteous group. It gives us some things to ask, some good questions for us to ask of ourselves to see if we're actually a part of Satan's kingdom. Mm -hmm. But then it also gloriously tells us what Jesus did to conquer the devil. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, And he really robbed him of his power to make it so that we must sin. And, and I think that's pretty cool. Amen. You know, I, I love to, and I, I think that this is just one of those things that we have to keep in our back pocket as we live and um, pull out when applicable. Um, but, you know, we, we live in a very, like, I think all of us in varying degrees have been raised in some into some idea of like, you know, I'm not the judge. Uh-huh. I'm, it's n- not my place to judge. And obviously in a sense, like, yes, but... Christians are called to be discerning. Um, we are called to um, look at the evidence of somebody's life and discern whether or not um, they they are living in light and freedom or living um, oppressed by sin. And, you know, one of the things that is really important here is that by this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. And, you know, I think particularly, like, I I don't know, there's just so many ways where that's applicable because we like to judge people based off creeds, you know, and creeds are very important. They kind of help us, like, align, like, the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed. Like, it's a very important genre of theological ideas and writing where we all kind of say yes and amen to the same thing. Yeah. But the problem with a creed is like anyone can kind of put their name on like a, oh yeah, I believe that. I believe that. And what that's really done to be frank is like we as Christians have elevated so many people whose lives do not line up at all with Jesus, but their creeds do. Yeah. And, um, and it's created so many issues and it's one of those things where it kind of to borrow from, uh, Mike Cosper, it's like, We've allowed um, talent and intelligence to outpace character yeah. um, and uh, to outpace holiness. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think that this is like a great callback to like the evidence of being a child of God is walking a life that is righteous. And righteous is not just like moralism yeah. and legalism. Righteousness is like all things are as they should be. Yeah, It's beautiful. It's, you know, very holistically um good yeah um and so yeah you know we like to minimize the reality and the effect of sin in any way that we can Mm -hmm. and first john just doesn't let us do that i mean it calls a spade a spade and said sin is real Mm -hmm. and it is powerful and it is destructive and it is not becoming of christians to walk in sin like like that is not what we've been called to, and in fact, to make a practice of sinning is is actually to to put yourself on very uneven ground to the point where you ought to really be evaluating if you know God. Mm. Um, and, and so 
so I mean, very practically, we have to reckon with the the terrible nature of sin when we read a passage like this and go like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I can't just be okay with a little sin. Mm-hmm. Like this is stuff to be put to death. Mm-hmm. Like like we are born again. Uh, we have gone from life or from death to life, from darkness to light. And so let's live in light of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and so uh, I think that this is one of those passages that, that causes us to, to engage with this world with, with eyes that are, that are more open, that are, that are seeing the true reality and nature of things. Mm-hmm. Amen. All right. Well, we only have a couple of days left in the year. And then we're going to start um, 2024 off with a bang in the book of Matthew. So for Jackson Randall, this is Will Carlisle. You better believe that we'll see you tomorrow on our Daily Rhythm. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ's Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for Our Daily Rhythm.